You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Little action movie rewind. Oh, baby. I was never going to see you again. That's what I thought about you. I love you so much. They told me there were terrorists at the airport. Yeah, I heard that too. I love you so much. John, why does this keep happening to us? Let's go home. Please. Nice guess, asshole. I'm a cop. That was a bad guy. Where's your ID? On its way to Cleveland? Welcome to the party, pal! Action Movie Reviews with Mackie, Judd, and Rami. Get to the chopper! Yippee-ki-yay, mother... It's that simple. I just shut the area down. Shit. <laughs> And I got everybody from the Shriners Convention to the goddamn Boy Scouts traipsing through here. I got lost kids, lost dogs, not now, later. I got international diplomats. I got a reindeer flying in here from the petting zoo. But John McClane, he's got a little problem. Hell, let's shut down the whole airport. Now, what do you think they're going to say upstairs when I tell them that? Why don't you pick up the phone and find out? Because I don't need full forensics to tell me all this was was some punk stealing luggage luggage that punk pulled a glock seven on me you know what that is it's a porcelain gun made in germany doesn't show up on your airport x-ray machines here and it costs more than you making a month you'd be surprised what i'm making a month (laughs) (laughs) what a great exchange all right action movie rewind every friday here i'm mackie and judd we do deep dives into classic and corny action movies entirely two deep dives probably uh, and this week, so we've done we've done sequels before. We did Rambo three, we've done Rocky four, but we haven't done a second movie in the same series. Mm-hmm. We did Die Hard several months back. I believe that was the first time Declan had ever seen Die Hard. Correct. And Judd, you had never seen it straight through, or had you seen it? Well, I me. think I had seen it a long time ago, maybe. Okay, so you were kind of new to, but like I had never watched it like oh. I watched it that time. Maybe. Like I broke it down this time. And so now we're going to do a dive into Die Hard 2, 1990, two years after the original came out. I'm guessing the original one came out and they were like, we got to do this again. Right. This is awesome. Here's the summary. A year after his heroics in Los Angeles, Detective John McClane, played by Bruce Willis, is mixed up in another terrorist plot, this time at Washington Dulles International Airport, where he's waiting for his wife to land on a flight. That same night, South American politico and drug profiteer Ramon Esperanza (laughs) is arriving into U.S. custody. McLean takes action when a treasonous ex-colonel seizes control of the airport, threatening to crash every inbound flight unless Esperanza is freed. 69% on Rotten Tomatoes. Nice. $70 million budget turned into $240 million at the box office. I believe this movie generated more profit than the original Die Hard. Correct. So this is one of the most successful sequels of all time. Bruce Willis, 
We had a cameo again by Carl Winslow, Reginald Vell Johnson, career TV cop. Oh, yeah. And, I actually uh, missed him. What do you mean? I wanted more of him. Oh, I oh, thought you, yeah. I know. Yeah, he, made, he was eating Twinkies he's for like five minutes. And yeah, I know, I know. Sending faxes. But I liked him. And uh, Dennis Franz. Oh, the best. Diving into his, I, actually, I can't remember if he had played cops before this, but this was one of his mm-hmm. high profile Play, Playing a roles. complete doofus. Yep. Oh, God. And then there was a bunch of other. Uh, no Sipowitz right there, boys. No Sipowitz. No, no, that was not Sipowitz. No Sipowitz. Bunch of other characters you've recognized from other movies here, but let's just get right into it. Judd Zolgad, we'll go around the room here. What was your key takeaway from Die Hard 2? Oh, I've got a lot, but uh, my key takeaway was it was very clear that the people that did Die Hard 2 had heard enough about Die Hard is not a Christmas film because there's no snow and it's in California, right? They were going to make damn sure that you knew, despite the fact it was released on July 4th, 1990, that you knew this was a damn Christmas film because it never stopped snowing. Like, everything they did was, it's cold, you see? There's a tree, Christmas tree, you see? Um, that was my biggest takeaway was there was going to be be no confusion about the fact that, if nothing else, it was a wintertime film that, that for, in fact, I believe that Die Hard, if I'm not mistaken, the original was released on July 1st of 88. Yeah. And this was released flat out on the 4th of July, 1990. But they were going to hammer home the point that they were making a damn Christmas movie and you were going to get it. Okay, I was going to save this question for later, but since you brought it up, what is more of a Christmas movie, Die Hard the original or Die Hard 2? So Die Hard the original, so both of these take place on Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. Die Hard the original is a Christmas party. Yep, he's flying in to a Christmas party. Yep, to hang out with his sort of like his wife, but they're sort of separated. It's right? a seasonal traveling for Christmas. Yep. Mm-hmm. Die Hard Two also takes place on Christmas Eve. Both included Christmas music at the end. You know the the end credits, if I remember correctly, for Die Hard One. Um, but in this case, you had snow. So Christmas Eve, you had, you had constant, snow. constant snow. It never stopped snowing. It's great. I mean, it was completely fake, but it never stopped snowing. I think you can make a case that this is, and plus they were. It was holiday travel. They were going to hang out with mm-hmm. uh, with Holly's parents and the kids, right? I think you can make a case that because of the snow, Die Hard Two is actually more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard One. Mm. Oh, most definitely. But here's what I liked: Die Hard Two showed that they were firmly in on the entire joke. Like the oh. joke, like the joke, the joke was we are releasing essentially a series of action thriller Christmas films in July continually. So did, did they release all these movies? Because there's like five diehards. I don't movies. know, but I just, lo- I just this one to me was hilarious because it became very clear that they're like, yeah, it's July Fourth, but it's really a Christmas film this time. So it's o- <laughs> so to me, it became that the gag itself was going to be pulled off by them. Yeah. So. I don't really care. I just thought it was the fact that it wouldn't stop snowing ever. Like the whole film, it's just <laughs> snowing. Uh, I thought was also like hilarious. the amount of snow we're talking about definitely would have shut down the airport. Yeah. Right. Oh, 100%. Definitely would have shut yes. down the airport. Well, and, and it never like like when when McLean kept going outside. It like didn't accumulate. Like he was never by, by the end of that film, it would have been snow drifts mm-hmm. like huge. Right. Yeah. They, this is where they need like. They need like a Minnesota cinematographer to come in and like we need like a snow coordinator to come in and say, guys, it's been snowing like this for six hours. Well, and they here. did like, have some we need a, the snowmobile chase, you know, it, there was definitely. But I just it was like nonstop snowing blizzard. And yes, you are correct. 
the airport would have shut down. Okay, actually, I'm glad you brought up the snowmobile thing here for a second. So Washington, D.C., let's talk about climate for a second, okay? Mm-hmm. So I just want to pull this up here, okay? <laughs> a- average temperatures. <laughs> average temperatures in December, and I'll even include January here, okay? So Washington, D.C., uh, and I get that there can be, like, deviations. We had a record high here two weeks ago, right? We, yeah. It got up to, like, 70-something. Yep. So in December, the record high is, or the average high is 48 degrees in Washington, D.C. Average low is 30. January, because we're getting closer to January in this movie, average high of 43, average low of 25. So it definitely does snow a little bit. Yeah. But. A little bit. Are they, like, fully prepared when it's snowing that much in Washington, D.C.? To land planes? No. Are they no. going to have like snowmobiles of just sitting around? Not, you know? no. Of course no they're way. not prepared for that. <laughs> the airport would have shut down. That Actually, is absolutely correct. Wouldn't this have made more sense if it took place in New York? But then they, why would they be bringing in, why would they be bringing in a, uh, a terrorist right. into New York? Actually, you know I don't what? even know why they're bringing him into D.C. I was going to say, yes, you, you are correct. I think if, if you would put this at like JFK. I think it would have made more sense. Yeah. Like, they obviously didn't care, but yes, I think you're probably right. Declan, what was your main takeaway? My key takeaway is that Bruce Willis is the coolest and most relatable hero in our action movie series. <laughs> like, he, I love that he's just hanging out in the airport, drinking a whiskey, smoking a cigarette, looking like a normal, normal guy. Just a normal dude waiting for his wife to land at the airport. But in reality, he's this badass cop who can somehow infiltrate all areas of the airport, which is supposed to be like one of the more... It, more, more locked down areas that we're ever going to see. And I, I feel like he's just so relatable. Like he's, Freedom. Not yet. <laughs> Supposed to stay in your seat until the plane reaches the terminal. No frequent flyer mileage for you. Who are you? A cop. A cop? Yeah. One of the good guys. You see, you're one of the bad guys. And now that I got your sorry ass, I'm going to trade it for my wife. He's great. I feel like that's exactly how Declan would talk if yeah. he were hey. if he were the good guy in this movie. No frequent flyer miles, miles for you. you. <laughs> no Delta Sky miles for you. Yeah. His di- his dialogue, his dialogue yeah. is great. Now the he's great. The one thing that I will defend the film on is for that time the the lack of security is actually correct. A hundred percent. Like it, it, back yeah, then, totally back is. then you could go to the terminal basically walk around yeah. so so the the uh, breaches in security that we see now actually were possible back then yeah like I, not all of them but a lot of them i yeah. remember even thinking i was on a family trip get into. i was on a family trip we actually went a month before 911 in 2001 we actually were in new york city and took pictures like with the world trade centers like we have these haunting pictures a month before 911 and part of our trip, I think we bounced around to some different cities, and somehow we had a connecting flight in Cincinnati at one point. And I remember, like, my stepdad made a comment as we were kind of going through. He's like, "Feels like we have gone through zero security at all. Like, there there was just like no protocols, nothing." Yep. And of course, a month later, but even worse, back in like the early nineties, right. yeah, they eighties, they yeah, it was uh, very possible. And okay, you guys bring up actually my, my main takeaway from this movie and there's a million other things we'll get into cuz you one of you guys just brought up dialogue yeah bruce willis's dialogue is is definitely honed in this movie i would argue that like my key takeaway is that the dialogue for the entire movie is so perfectly like dialed up and cheesy Every single mo- they're, they're they're definitely forcing f bombs when they don't have to. But <laughs> oh, Dennis Franz is just nothing oh, yeah. but f bombs, right? Yeah. Every character that comes into this movie, even if it's like a guy who's on his camera for five seconds, 
has to like drop an f bomb and say something forceful, right? Do you guys remember the scene uh, when <laughs> we're getting toward the climax of the movie and everyone's all amped up, and and you had uh, Dick Thornburg in the bathroom of the airplane, and he's calling into his producers, and the producers like, eh, "What are you talking about? There's, there's no one's gone live with this." And he goes, "I'm on the plane," and he tells the producer like, "No, this is all happening." The producer hangs up the phone, turns to some other like producer guy, and says. You tell the affiliates they have three minutes to jump on board. As if it's like like he's in the White House, you know, like talking to his general. It's like these are TV producers. Yeah. You tell the affiliates we have three minutes yeah. to get this. Everybody has lines. The janitor, <laughs> the guy who plays the janitor in the basement of the airport has a ton of lines. Yes. Uh, so, the, yeah, the dialogue was just like bam, bam, bam for, for two hours. It became more of a – this film to me became – and this is not a bad thing, but it was more of a cartoon, I thought, than the first one. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Like it was once. Like a regular, normal Christmas. Eggnog. Christmas tree. Little turkey. But no. I gotta crawl around this motherfucking can. <laughs> he just narrating. Uh, he, he does narrate. That, that's exactly right. He oh, narrates. Man. Oh, no, I got to do this thing And now. in the first one, I was oh, in God. Nakatomi Center. Yep. <laughs> if you didn't see that one, you should rent it on VCR, but I'm going to explain part of it to you so that you're fully aware of what the, what I did in the first one, so now you're going to be up to speed. How did I wind up on the wing of this airplane? Does anyone, in that moment of crisis, the when you're like, <laughs> you're trying to thwart a terroristic plot, you're freezing your ass off, and you're maybe about to die yourself. Do you take the time to out loud verbalize your situation, or do you just keep? No, that but he's narrating the whole. He's literally narrating the whole film. Oh man, I'm about to get t-boned by a semi. This is going to be terrible. Now I'm running down a <laughs> runway to try and save a plane that's probably not going to be savable with some type of flare that I have developed. It's McLean. Uh, all right, what was your favorite part about Die Hard Two, Judd? The dialogue was, I thought, funny. Uh, I like that. But my favorite part was actually a killing scene. Because here's the thing about this film. They find more ways to kill people in this film, I think, like constructive ways than any film. Mm-hmm. Like they find they they shoot them, they stab them, they ice pick them or icicle them in the eye. Like they find different ways. But my favorite one that I thought was actually constructive was the early on ambush of the SWAT team. Yeah. When when they're going up the escalator and the guy stops it and the guy and and the good the SWAT guy tells the bad guy, turn this thing back on. What the hell are you doing? And he just turns around and goes, you're sitting ducks and just starts blowing them away. (laughs) Um, I actually thought that was pretty good because there were some killings that I was like, yeah, okay, all right now. But that one was my favorite killing scene. And then my favorite thing was the fact that throughout the film the dialogue is hilarious no uh Declan your favorite part uh Dennis Franz easily Dennis Franz is the incompetent hilarious airport cop like it's not Paul Blart mall cop status but he thinks he's like (laughs) the 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 man in charge and it's like you're the airport policeman like you're nearly not that big of a guy and then also uh when I was growing up there was like small moments where I had to make sure we didn't make a single sound in the house. It was when HBO programming was on for like Six Feet Under and Sopranos and Deadwood. And the other one was NYPD Blue. (laughs) So I I have a 
I, like some of my earliest memories are Dennis Franz on the TV, and also me and like making me and my brother making sure we are not to make a single sound because if a fork drops in the kitchen, it was DeathCon One from my father, who loved all these shows and loved Dennis Franz especially. Uh, but I just love Franz's dialogue with him the whole movie. I love that he's an incompetent, basically mall cop. He's my favorite part of the film. Easily is he the most incompetent cop you've ever seen in a movie? Well, that's the best. Like, is he? An actual cop, or is he like one of those rent-a-cops? Like no, at, he's an airport he's, cop. Yeah, he's, he's an a airport cop. cop. He's an actual cop. Okay. Yeah, and he leads the force. His um, instinct is wrong at every turn of this movie. <laughs> yeah. he During is, a key crisis he, at an airport, he is the most incompetent cop with with actual uh, in the movie responsibility. <laughs> yeah, be, be, because 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 the diehard one cop was incredibly incompetent himself, but that was more just like he's outside the Nakatomi Center, right? Yeah, I think Dennis Franz, in the films that we've done, I think he is the most incompetent cop with a huge role, and he keeps screwing things up. Yeah, and he's like, he's he's not just like a paper pusher guy who's Mm -hmm. like he's actively incompetently sabotaging. Well, and this this is going to get to a whole point I've got about this film, but keep going here. Okay, go ahead. I think my favorite part about this movie is. The terrorist plot plan, (laughs) and how, like I I just I I love it for its simplicity. I love it for its flaws. I just want to take you guys through this plot, and I want you guys to help me figure out like where does this plot rank in terms of great terrorist plots? We've done The Rock, Mm -hmm. where their terrorist plot was let's take over the abandoned Alcatraz. And let's have missiles that will threaten to fire and kill people in San Francisco, right? Like, there's some some great plots. That's a good plot, but it's a weak leadership in The Rock. It is. It's it fake. Is. It's and, fake and what, leadership. And what you're going to get to is not weak leadership. No, it is not. It is well. It is. It's, it's very dangerous leadership. So the idea here is to take command of air traffic control at a massive airport. By the way, from a church just outside of the airport's grounds, too, which is funny. Like, they brought yeah. all this computer equipment in, presumably yeah. How in like did two they hours. set up that they set center? It it's an incredible, <laughs> it's an incredible feat. I mean, this is 1992. Yeah, no. it, it wasn't as easy, probably, no. as it might be now. Like, they couldn't just bring, like, a few Surface Pros and set well, up they, and get some Wi-Fi, no, you know? They, they had an actual they, air control and center. And did we, have, we didn't have Wi-Fi in the no. early 90s, so they presumably... They turned like an abandoned church. They hacked into the they hacked into the system though for, through the airport. Yeah, right. And then uh, they like wired and, it. And they you didn't they didn't really explain that that church was the grounds of of the old communication tower until like right. an hour that's and a true. half into the movie because that's what was like. Why, how is this even a thing? And then they yeah, explained it later. Right. And then and then the idea <laughs> to hold all of the inbound planes hostage by shutting off the runway lights so they can't land and cutting off the communication so they just have to sit up there and run out of fuel. And then you get to make your demands or potentially thousands of people die. Um, I think the like to me, the flaw in the plan, and it turned out to be their fatal flaw in the movie was so they wanted Esperanza's plane to land. They were going to take him out of the plane with the with the corrupt turncoat uh, Marines or Army guys, whatever it was. And then they had a 747 that was fueled and ready to fly away. And my question was like. Where were they planning on just flying to right. without the U.S. military, you know? Oh, this is what catching I bring them up. at some point. Like, mm-hmm. so, yes. so their plan was, their plan was, we may or may not kill several hundred people and draw a ton of attention to where we are right now. We're going to grab this dictator, 
And then we're just going to jump into a 747 and like Barbados, fly right? to the Baham- to Barbados yeah. and hang out. Yeah, they're just going to take off. Yeah, with no like the the, the Air Force wasn't going to track you down. This is or anything. what I want to ask you. I need to know like what would have we need an alternate ending of like if they would have flown away. Like, yeah. did no, they just get no, away? you're like, not. No, no, you're not supposed to ask that question though. It, it became very clear <laughs> you're not supposed to ask that question. <laughs> So, all right. Well, what what was your? Did you have a, a take on this or? Uh, yeah, but it, it's going to tie into my least favorite part. Okay. Just as far as like, I'm willing to go along with you know these plots, and they make no sense at times, and that's fine. Uh, but playing off your plot, okay. Let me go through here what had what had gone on here. So terrorists basically um, divert where the control tower will be. They as you said, Phil, shut off all the lights, runways disabled, basically. Yep. They essentially cause a passenger plane to crash spectacularly and blow up. They have planes circling. They have the air traffic control people in a complete panic. It is clearly a terrorist plot of the highest order, and no one else helps but one group of of what turns out to be crooked army guys, yeah. Like nobody, <laughs> like, like, there's like, like eight army guys. Like it's like, Bruce Willis. Uh, it's Christmas Eve. The army is celebrating with yeah. their families. Sorry, and eight <laughs> army guys, and no one else shows up at the air. Like there's no FBI. I don't think there's no there. You, you would send you would send everybody, and they send a crooked group of army guys. And John McClane. Also, wouldn't you, wouldn't you think <laughs> I, at some point, I don't w- wouldn't you send as many people as possible out with like flashlights or like like okay, how can we light up the runway? My other question is, they were very the terrorists were very clearly waiting for a low visibility mm-hmm. snowstorm of some kind. Okay, were were they just like on standby on the rare occasion oh, that there's a blizzard even, in Washington D.C.? I didn't even think of this question because if if there's not low visibility. <laughs> You probably still land the plane, right? Like, because you can probably see the ground to some extent. Yeah. Like, it makes it, it made yeah. it even harder with no lights and low visibility because of the snowstorm. And I think they alluded a couple times to, like, uh, it's a really, really rough weather out there. Yeah, it is. This is great for us. So, were they, like, did they check the forecast three days before and see, oh, well, man. And as you said, this, this, this snowstorm hits Washington, which is, you know, not the norm, certainly. And so now they just get fortunate, and they don't try and close the airport down. They just keep, I mean, yeah, the whole thing. But how do you just have one group, one group show up to help out and McLean, and that's it? It's Christmas Eve. No one else is coming to help us out. It's Dennis Franz actively trying to sabotage. Yes. It's it's John McLean randomly there waiting for his wife, and then a bunch of corrupt army rangers. Like, wh- and then, like what is the happening? The best part is, the best part is, that this passenger plane crashes and explodes, and it's like this impressive scene, right? Yeah. yeah. But meanwhile, you're supposed to believe until Thornburg's report in the airport, which is right by where the plane crashed. Right. And it's still filled with people celebrating their relatives coming in. Actually, can we get real quick? I'm going to cut in line and least favorite thing because you just segue into it. My <laughs> least favorite thing about this movie, you had a British jetliner. Now, they only showed probably like 50 people on this plane, but when they showed the plane from the outside, there's probably like 200 I think people he said on the plane. I think he said I have 200 people on or okay. something. Okay. Yeah. And so. So the sneaky, brutal bad guy move, by the way, like one of the most like efficient ways of killing 250 people that we've maybe ever seen in Action Movie Rewind. Yeah. And, and so they, they reset ground level 200 feet bo- below 
ground level, right? Right. So the so on the computer screen in the plane, the British jetliner guy, who also the the pilot was, I can't remember who that he's guy been is. In a ton of movies. He was in Con Air. Like he's, he's been, been in all kinds of stuff. Of stuff. Yeah. And so he, so they hit the ground quicker than they thought, and so the plane blows up. So we have just witnessed two to three hundred people yeah. die in a plane crash. Correct. And yet the end of the movie is this celebration I, of, oh, my I, God. I've got that in my oh, notes. I've got that, I've got that in my notes. And this plane, like, where did it go? Like, it's just in pieces. They didn't shut the airport down. But what I love is all of the people in the airport, like, celebrating until Thornburg's report. Like, Thornburg's report triggers this mass chaos, right, not this jetliner crash. So, so all, the, all the people that are sitting in the airport that don't know that anything's wrong, and, there's, and they, I think they said there's like ten or 15,000 people in the airport or something, they're all looking out the window. Yeah, they have to None of them saw that well, plane crash and go up in flames. And wouldn't what? you hear, wouldn't, I mean, it exploded yeah, like six times. You'd, you'd feel it. it you'd you'd feel hear it. when planes land at the airport. Yeah. yeah. So if you had a, a jetliner... Crash on the runway. I think that you'd be aware of it, but I love how they the airport's still filled with people at a, at restaurants eating and watching the news where Thornburg comes on. Sorry, it, no, it's just it's great. hilarious, and just I, great. And I just I, I I can't get over like you know the end of the movie is just it's it's Dennis Franz like hey gonna rip up yeah. your pocket ticket over the way of the outside. Fred Dalton Thompson, hey. good job, McLean. And there's like barbecued British people just like, all the way. Oh, I know. Well, and and the jet exploded too on takeoff with the bad guys. Yeah. So this, like you've got you've got jets blown up all over this. Uh, I mean, I mean, Dulles. seriously, like this was like there were more people were killed obviously in nine eleven, but like it would be like making a movie about nine eleven or something where hundreds of people die in a terrorist attack. Yeah. But oh, we saved that yep. one plane. No, other outside is frightful. Holly like, McLean's Holly McLean safe. That's all we really care about. Bye. See you. See you for Die Hard three. Oh my god. Um, oh, one other thing on the so 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 John McLean blowing up the terrorist plane yeah. lights the runway, and so you do see like you've got the blown up plane wreckage, and then you've got like the strip where he has the gasoline right. But the blown up plane wreckage kind of shows you like where you should land. Yeah. Why didn't the first plane blowing up act as the same thing? Right. The first plane blowing up is also like a flaming, tattered, like like planes are landing because, oh, we see a fiery wreckage, and so we can hit the runway, right? I don't know. I don't know. Declan, your least favorite part about uh, Die Hard. My, my least favorite part is I, I did not appreciate. I wanted more connection with the bad guys from the first to the second. So, like, they, they just basically make, make up a whole new set of bad guys well, for, the, the, for the, first, the first set are dead. Right, but I, there has to be some type of like people that still want to carry out his like Hans Gruber's plan and that kind. Of, like, I wanted some type of connection from the bad guys from a, from original into a sequel. Uh, the second thing is, I want to know, and this isn't really like a least favorite part, just like a nitpick. How come we've gone backwards in terms of airplanes and cell phones? Like in in, in 1990, you could call someone from the airplane. Down, down to the ground. And it was like four bucks a minute or something. Yeah, and it was, it was just probably ridiculous. Expensive. Oh, no, but that's not. Uh, you know what? I think that was a flaw. Um, you could call people from airplanes with the airplane, but it had, it was in front of your seat. Yep. Like the, Thor- the Thornburg thing, I don't think it's possible. Because like he goes in a bathroom and it's yeah, like yeah, a yeah. cell phone hookup. Uh, I think that was BS. I just think it's a little weird that like we used to be able to call people on the cell phone. 30 years ago, and now we there is no oh, you way can, you cannot do it anymore in 2020. I don't understand it. No, 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 That, but that's wrong. You you could call people from the phone in front of you in the seat, but it was connected. 
Sure. That's but, but still. But there's that, no cell phone. There that that I was that. licensed. My point is you can st- you could have made a collect call from the air from the airplane at ten thousand feet, right? In 1990, with the corded phone, I know it was a corded phone. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I think you could. I I'm don't pretty, know. For I'm pretty sure, sure you because I remember like the phones being on airplanes and stuff. I, I have memories of that. But I, and now you can't do it. It just blows my mind. It just blows my mind. Yeah, but now you can. You get free uh, iPhone messaging. You just text people. <sighs> cool. Oh my god. Thanks, Delta. A like I, I just, I, I would rather be able to to do that. Can, also, can we also. can we spend a minute on Dick Thornburg for a second here? Because I feel like Dick Thornburg is portrayed wildly incorrectly in these two movies, okay? So, yeah, Whoa, he's, okay. he's kind of got this despicable personality, and he's very arrogant and, and also very insecure. And then there's the whole, like, Holly Gennaro punches him out at the end of Die Hard. And so he we learned that he had filed a restraining order against Holly, and mm-hmm. they're on the same plane together. But let's not ignore the fact that Dick Thornburg is a great reporter. This guy's showing up in Die Hard 1 yep. to the home of the family yep. that has people in that building, and he's trying to get thoughts from, I think, the grandma and the kids, right? And here he is on the plane. He's tapped into the pilot communication <laughs> to communicate this terroristic attack to the public. Yep, and he, He's doing his due job as a journalist in America. And gives a and report that goes on forever. He's vilified for reporting the news. Also, I want to throw in, in terms of great reporting in this movie, Samantha Coleman, local TV news reporter, okay? Yep. She's on the site of the blown-up jetliner, like 50 feet yep. behind her. I don't know how she got access no to be idea. out there on the runway. I mean, the Vikings won't even let you watch, like, team practice, for God's sakes. And Samantha Coleman's out there 50 <laughs> feet from, like, 300 dead uh, British flyers. Um, and then at the end, she's like, she's got she's got the footage of John McClane and his wife and stuff. So I just want to say, yes... Flawed personality, Dick Thornburg, but great reporter, and it should not go ignored. The Samantha Coleman report from the runway is also hilarious because she's standing in front of a plane on which 200-plus people have died, and she's happy. She's very cheery. She's yeah. like, oh, I'm Samantha know, Coleman I'm here Samantha on the Coleman. scene. Merry Christmas to everybody out there. There's a charred <laughs> hand behind okay. me over here. And where, and where she and McLean simply walk into the airport control tower is hilarious, too. <laughs> like, they take... They they like gain right. access to it like it's nothing. Yeah, in nineteen ninety that was difficult. They're just a reporter sitting. Hey, up. what's going on up here? What's hey? What's going? On? You you got some problems. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that was you could. Here's the thing about this this uh, the first two diehard films. Mm-hmm. If you are not a McLean, you are liable to be mocked no matter how well you try to do your job. I mean. Dennis Franz was trying, man. He's in the airport cop security head, right? But he gets mocked. Uh, Thornburg, Dick, he's trying to do his job, but he gets mocked, right? Samantha Coleman gets told to F off. A couple times. It's very clear that if you are not a McLean, you are liable to be yeah. mocked. Uh, other things that we have to note here. Actually, you know, I want to add a new question to the, to the, okay. we have like four or five questions we ask here, right? We've got the, we'll get to the bad guy rankings. This is a question I think you guys always chide me for, like, not fully buying into the fiction, right? Yeah. Like, like in speed. I don't understand how you'd be able to keep that thing going 50 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. So I want to add a new question to these action movie reviews. What was the least believable thing in this movie? Oh, I've got it, I've got it right here. I in fact, two. I wrote it down. I took a lot of notes. Love this film. This is great. T- took a ton of notes. So many things. Go ahead, John. My number one is this one. 1990 special effects. They actually did some good things here, okay? But my number one 
is when McLean is in the military airplane and they're all tossing <laughs> grenades in. And yes. by the way, <laughs> nobody misses. Nobody misses. Yeah. And and he also has time to like process with like cartoonish oh. reactions. Oh man! No, oh my no. God! Oh no! There's oh, no. nine grenades oh, no. in here. <laughs> but but first of all, how many grenades do they need and have? Oh, right. and by, by the way, that's plane three that is blown up. Right. While while, while we're still a functioning airport, um, everyone at the airport bar is like just enjoying their cocktails. And like, see these like you said, happening. oh, the weather outside is right. Boom. Um, so, but the special effect when he ejects himself. And like and like ejects himself above the explosion mm-hmm. is so unbelievable. Yes. And not great. I mean it's so Whoa! <laughs> Well and and it, but it, they didn't even have they didn't have the capability to do it well. Yeah. So they should have been like, We got a lot of, you know, good special effects here. Let's let's bag that one. Believe. They didn't. So that to me and then how he just sort of ejects himself. He like flies up in the air above the explosion, but not too far. But he has enough time to get the parachute out to descend like right by where the explosion was. But the parachute would have done nothing because like he wouldn't have gone That's up my high point. enough. You know? That's my point. But he went high he enough. He would have died. He went he went well and he also would have been charred to a crisp. <laughs> but anyway, that's my I've got two least believable things, all right? <laughs> so, you know, they, part of the plot was let's stage a gunfight to throw everyone off and we'll have we'll just have guns with blanks and those will have blue tape and the guns with actual rounds will have red tape. So McLean's trying to explain to Dennis Franz. It's like the ninth time that McLean is trying to explain to Franz like, no, something's happening here. And he's like, get out of here, McLean, right? And so Dennis Franz <laughs> is telling him like, get the hell out of here. And McLean pulls out one of these machine guns and starts firing in the police office. <laughs> yes. And, and like in the moment, you're thinking, oh, my God, he's lighting up Dennis Franz. <laughs> Every cop draws their gun. But no one takes down John McClane in that moment. Nope. Like if you're telling me that if a guy pulls out what looks to be a machine gun, you have no reason to think that it's not a live round machine gun. Right. And starts firing it. Right. That you don't immediately, there's like nine cops, that they don't immediately take out their guns and shoot him. I was like, all right. Yeah, you're right. right. You're a thousand percent right. And then here's another one, okay? And this is more just like the mystique of John McClane. So how many times have you guys been just sitting at the airport, you're grabbing a a beer before you board your flight, Mm -hmm. and you just, you see random people with packages and stuff, and they're going around? Yep. Now, John McClane's in the hotel airport. And he sees a couple guys in a packed airport. Yeah. A couple guys stand up and start walking and immediately thinks, those guys look suspicious. Yep. I'm, I'm going to follow. follow those guys. I'm going to follow them. Follow <laughs> like, is his radar that honed? <laughs> right. Or does he just like well, follow a ton of people at airports to make sure that they're not terrorists? And mo- moments before, he hadn't even been smart enough. To and by the way, he was going to wait for his wife like for a long time. Like he was going to be sitting at that bar for a long time. He hadn't even been cognizant of the fact that you don't park in a no parking zone right in front of the doors of the airport, yeah, and he got on. his car towed. <laughs> right. So, so it's like he goes from well, I guess I parked in the wrong place to that guy's for sure a terrorist. <laughs> which, which I, which I became more and more convinced was all part of why the film was so funny. Because they just like mm-hmm. didn't. They're just like, oh, it's got holes. By the way, uh, Casino Royale does the same thing. Where like, and James Bond is a trained 007 agent, so he's more trained to spot shady people than like <laughs> a random cop from you know New York. But like James Bond does the same thing in Casino Royale, where it's like. Ooh, that guy walking into the security area looks like he could be a terrorist. I'm going to follow right. him. Like, all right. A um, couple other things before we get to, um, I we got okay. This is the one thing that please, we haven't gotten to. Please mention the fight on the wing. 
Well, I was gonna, yeah, well, I, have... I, I was going to mention the foreshadowing to the fight on the wing, okay. which but... is the very beginning of the movie where Colonel Stewart is doing naked yoga in his living yes. room watching CNN. <laughs> so uncomfortable. So uncomfortable. Yeah, but it's it's shot right, so it's not like you see any crucial He's, parts of Colonel uh, Stewart. You, you see a lot of a lot of backside, yeah. a lot of backside. Yeah, but I mean that's fine. And so that was the precursor. So you knew, okay, this guy's a fighting machine. And then he busts out those moves that he was using naked in front of CNN on John McClane yep. on the wing. Yep. Great Just quickly stuff. too. The the uh, McLean thing. So so John parks his car in the wrong place. It gets towed, and then to Phil's point, says, "But those two look suspicious in this massively packed airport." Holly McLean in the plane as it continues to circle, asking the stewardess, "Are we going to run out of fuel?" Is another <laughs> who great thinks about, who like, thinks like about that? that's what you think about. Like I get what? <laughs> like you you're smart about enough? that. Our no. flight's being delayed a little bit. Oh my god, are we going to run <laughs> no. out of fuel? Like I've thought about turbulence problems. I've thought yeah. about lots of bad things that can happen. <laughs> but I've never. But I love how the McLeans are these home trained. This home trained couple. They just they sense yes. everything. Do we have enough fuel to make it? It's amazing. Oh, anyway, uh, would you bite off a guy's finger? Ever? No. Would you have in, in any circumstance? I would find a different way. Because <laughs> I wrote it down. I was like, I, th- that part was extremely uncomfortable. I don't even think I'd think about trying to bite off someone's finger, to be honest with yeah. you. Also, in the age of the pandemic, with that insane crowded airports, do you guys miss crowded airports at all? No. No, not at all. And it's funny, like, in crowded no. airports, but the way airports used to be. This is a great The Way Airports Used to Be movie. Yeah. And one of them is just people just lit cigarettes up yeah. everywhere. Yep. Like, oh, I'm just going to hang out here by this TSA agent that's hitting on me and asking me out to dinner, by the way. And there were yeah. two parts then, too, right? Like you <laughs> w- walked in and there was a security checkpoint, but everyone could go through it. Yeah. So, like, there could be a restaurant here and a restaurant there, and <laughs> they weren't um, they weren't cordoned off. So, but no, I do not miss, especially Christmas time, I do not miss for one second crowded airports. Yeah. Uh, one other great line in this movie before we get to the definitive bad guy rankings. By the way, we're if you know, you, on air production meeting. You might want to tell Courtney five more minutes. Okay. Yeah. I said we're going to be five, ten minutes late. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we're doing a deep dive yeah. into Die Hard. Is, we'll talk You Vikings know what? We can do the Vikings some Daily. other day. Yeah. I don't yeah. really care. That'll right be on now. Purple Daily, by the way, if you're listening to this, yeah. Maggie and Judd. Um, so old guy in the church, when the terrorists mm-hmm. start to feel out what's happening in the church. I love that line. The old guy goes, old guy in the church. kind of feels like a piece of me is dying along with this church. You're and right the up. terrorist goes, well, you're right about that. Yeah. And shoots him. And I'm wondering, were they planning on letting that guy live longer? But then the terrorist is like, oh, the one liner was there. I had to kill him. You wouldn't believe what this guy said. He was. I had to kill him. <laughs> I thought that he, he would get killed quickly from yeah. the moment I saw him yes. okay. watching TV. Easily. Like, <laughs> He looked like drinking his soup. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's just the type of guy you got to kill. Yep. All right, definitive bad guy rankings here. So I think we have to go a combination of Colonel Stewart and General Esperanza as kind of a tag team. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless you guys disagree. That's fine. That's I mean, fine. Colonel, Colonel Stewart's running the operation, but General Esperanza is sort of the overlord of all of this, right? Uh, so where would you guys... Uh, Hans Gruber is number one on our list from the original Die Hard. Michael come. Myers, Halloween. Cyrus the Virus from Con Air. They're definitely not on that level. Nope. Mm-hmm. Which is what probably separates Die Hard the original from Die Hard 2. But I do think if we're looking at they're not iconic really, so that's that's that part of the problem. Them. But they are ruthless. Yes. And it's not like the rock where they're just sort of fake terrorists. Now these guys killed a like two hundred people on a British jetliner. They're yeah. middle of the pack to me. Lessons. Are they I'll go through some of these here as we get to like the fringe of the top ten. We've got Ivan Drago. I think Drago's way more iconic. You've got the Russian mobsters from John Wick. I might put these guys above the I Russian I put them monsters. above them. 
Yeah. Dennis Hopper from Speed is in this mix. Bodie from Point Break, Dom from Fast and the Furious, Victor Maitland from Beverly Hills Cop. Yeah. Victor Maitland. Um, I think Drago's probably the, where the bar should be. You should for be, Iconic? You should be higher. Yeah, you shouldn't be I'd higher. I'd agree with that. Drago. Yeah. Yep, that's fine. Is he above or below? Are these guys above or below Victor Maitland from Beverly Hills Cop? They're I'd say above. probably. Do you think above? I think above. I'd, I'd put him slightly below, but I, I mean, okay. it, but I think it's. I think they're slightly below. These, Let's put them right below. These right terrorists below. are not iconic. Like, yeah. They're good. We'll put them right next to Paul Here's Giamatti's character from Shoot 'em Up. I got a guess here. I bet you when Bruce signed on to do this, he said, I got to be the star here. Because Die Hard, you could make a great case that it, it was, oh, Bruce was great, but, but, right? Yeah. Uh, and according to Wikipedia, he was paid $7.5 million for this job. He was like twenty percent of their budget or something, easily or yeah. ten, whatever. So yeah, yeah, so you couldn't afford a. Mm-hmm. So we're great so we've got guy. these guys as the thirteenth ranked villains out yeah. of like thirty five movies. That's very fair. And that brings us to the one through ten rating system here. Uh, Die Hard, the original, and Halloween are the only two perfect tens we have agreed upon. Taken, John Wick, Commando, Beverly Hills Cop are all a nine or above. The Fast and the Furious, The Expendables, Top Gun, Roadhouse, Hard to Kill, Rocky Four, and Bad Boys and Independence Day and Point Break are all eight or above. The worst movies we have reviewed, Shoot 'em Up, Bloodsport, Mad Max 2, Wanted, Rambo 3, and Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom. One through ten, Judd Zilgat. I'm going to give this uh, a, a sequel that I thought was slightly too long, but it was still fun, but it certainly was not Die Hard. I'm going to give it a seven. Whoa, that's a, I, feel, I feel like yeah, I it might be a little lower. bit low there. Oh, I thought he was going to. I thought he was going to have it lower. Really? Yes, I thought he was. It, it was well. I could have. I could have easily gotten this film shorter. Uh, yeah. But the cartoon thing was fun, and and it was so implausible that eventually I just said, uh, "What the hell?" But you know what? For a sequel, it was fine. But it was a sequel. Like yeah, I do. I do. I do not want to confuse this with my love for the cinematic experience that was <laughs> Die Hard. So. Yeah. My, it's a seven for me too. I, I think it's an enjoyable movie. Um, there's plot holes. It, it's very much a sequel on brand sequel movie where there's it's a little over the top. There isn't a good connection from the first one, but they still make up for it with hilarious special effects. There's a group of terrorists who are pretty pretty menacing and 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 terrible people. I give it a solid seven. It's a seven out of ten. So I I love this movie and I actually like this movie in some ways better than the original Die Hard. It's just a great Sacrilege. sequel. Sacrilege. I'm gonna Patrick. I'm gonna save this rating a little bit and give it a nine. It doesn't oh. have it doesn't have a Hans Gruber, but it has everything else. If wow. you put Hans Gruber into this movie, it's a ten, just like the original Die Hard. Okay. So I'm giving it a nine, which means it's a seven point seven. It ranks middle of the pack. It's basically like right in the middle. It's right above Lethal Weapon and right below Code of Silence for us here. Okay. So there it is. Die Hard two. Die Hard two. All right, so we put four movies up for vote every single week, one from a listener and then one from all three of us. The listener nomination, I'm going to go Demolition Man. Demolition Man was recommended by a listener. I believe that's Wesley Snipes, right? Okay, 1993. I think that was a Wesley Wesley Snipes. Oh, it was a Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes. Oh, wow, nice. Sandra Bullock, too. Dennis Leary. Wow, good cast. All-star cast. So De- De- Demolition Man. All right. And then uh, Judd Zolgad, you, you go ahead and throw yours out. I'm going back to my Seagal well under siege for a second consecutive week. <laughs> under siege. I think it came in second last week. We'll see if it comes in first this I think it's coming second back-to-back weeks. Well, I'm just going to keep throwing it out. Keep going, though. I'm sure. I keep, keep throwing, throwing it out. Like Why not? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to go with the old-school one. 
I'm going with Dirty Harry from 1971 with Clint Eastwood. Wow, dude. I love I usually am the guy who I love that show. I'm shocked by this. I usually am the modern 2000s plus uh, action movie guy. I don't like watching the old ones. I've never seen Dirty Harry, and I love Clint Eastwood. So, Dirty Harry. Holy cow. Make my day. Um, I almost like. I almost want to punt my. I, I love the three that we have here. Punt. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw one out there. Okay. I'm gonna throw one out there just for fun here. Okay. I'm gonna throw out. Oh man. <laughs> I, I'm I'm gonna go with uh I'm gonna go with another. I'm, all right, here's what we're gonna do. I'm sorry. This is great. Let's go to the Marine with John Cena. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh wow. And and if you know and, and if if Marine. somehow the Marine with John Cena wins, then it'll still be an enjoyable experience. But, I hope uh, I hope Declan wins. <laughs> I I'd, do too. Lo- I'd I do love too. to do Dirty Harry. A review of that uh, Dirty Harry. So there it is. That's cool. Action Movie Rewind, Mackie and Judd, and uh Die Hard Two is in the books. They're talking to us on our own goddamn system. They gotta be close. I'll have my men tear this airport apart. Just in the nick of time, huh? Hey, McLean, I got a first-class unit here, SWAT team and all. We don't need any Monday morning quarterbacks. Monday morning, my wife's on one of the goddamn planes these guys are with. That puts me on the playing field. And if you'd have moved your fat ass when I told you to, we wouldn't be hip deep in shit. Right, right there, that's right. it. Security, you're out of here. So, <laughs> Mr. Trudeau, do I have to remind force. you about FAA regulations regarding unauthorized personnel in the control tower?